From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll be hearing from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy a devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional is entitled, Joy for the Cast Out. The text is found in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word. Your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified. But he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed." Possibly this text may not apply to one in a thousand who hear the words of this little book of promises, but the Lord cheers that one in such words as these. Let us pray for all such as are cast out wrongfully from the society which they love. May the Lord appear to their joy. The text applies to truly gracious men who tremble at the word of the Lord. These were hated of their brethren and at length cast out because of their fidelity and their holiness. This must have been very bitter to them, and all the more so because their casting out was done in the name of religion, and professedly with the view of glorifying God. How much is done for the devil in the name of God! Use of the name of Jehovah to add venom to the bite of the old serpent is an instance of his subtlety. The appearing of the Lord for them is the hope of his persecuted people. He appears as the advocate and defender of his elect. And when he does so, it means a clear deliverance for the God-fearing and shame for their oppressors. O Lord, fulfill this word to those whom men are deriding. Word have 
In this day of many uncertainties, the political unrest, widespread violence, and moral confusion, people are asking, what is it all about? What does life mean, or does it have any meaning? Thankfully, there is one place where despairing men, women, and young people can find the answers to those questions, the Holy Bible, God's inspired, inerrant word. The Apostle Paul, speaking of the gospel, wrote, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. He was referring to the righteousness that God gives to sinners on the basis of Christ's death on the cross. A medical doctor who found life's answer in Christ has written a brief summary of the central teaching of the Bible in a booklet called The Meaning of Life and the Love of God. In a few clearly written pages, he explains how sinners can find forgiveness and redemption in God's blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For a free copy of The Meaning of Life and the Love of God, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, 
Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Meaning of Life and the Love of God, and we'll be happy to provide it. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues a message called The Day of Pentecost, part of this series on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Spirit on that day was the secret of the power of the early church. It was a miraculous event, not some psychological phenomenon. In the scriptural account of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter explained the meaning of it. That great event marked the inauguration of the New Testament church. Among the important lessons from Pentecost, Dr. Cairns emphasizes that the church can never go beyond Scripture in her experience or in her evangelism. That tendency is one of the great dangers facing the church today. Now, Dr. Cairns will continue this message, The Day of Pentecost. There is what I could call an inaugural aspect of Pentecost. Remember the word of Christ in Acts 1 and 5? It's called a baptism. Now, obviously, baptism is an an initiatory or inaugural rite. Baptism speaks as to water baptism of the entrance into the church, the entrance into faith in Jesus Christ. It's an inaugural rite. You remember in Christ's ministry, when he inaugurated his public ministry, he was baptized, and the Holy Ghost came upon him in the form of a dove. 
Now once he was baptized, the years of solitude were over. The years of secrecy were gone. And now he was in the full-blown public ministry. Started with the baptism. Now we come to the ministry of the Church of Christ in Acts chapter 2. It has also had a period of secret waiting. Not shorter, but nonetheless, it has had a period of secret waiting. But now that period is over. And with this public baptism, as the Spirit of God comes upon them, the church's ministry is launched as a mighty public witness for Christ. In other words, what we have here is the inauguration or the constitution of the New Testament church as the witness to the risen Christ. Now Peter is at pains to say this is according to the scriptures from Joel 2, 28 to 32. Practical observation. The church, in its experience, can never go beyond scripture. You know, if churches today would keep that in mind, it would clear up an awful lot of problems. The church, in her experience, can never go beyond Scripture. There is no experience that is valid for the child of God or for the church of God that is not solidly revealed and uh, given to us in the Word of God. I would plead for that. A scriptural experience. Furthermore, the church in her evangelism can never go beyond Scripture. And I would say this to you, that however successful men and methods appear to be, when they deviate from God's Word, ultimately they are headed for disaster. Ecumenical evangelism has all the marks of what men call success. Bill Graham has preached in person to more people than any preacher in history. We've got to realize that. No preacher in history has ever approximated the number of people to whom Dr. Graham has preached. The Archbishop of Canterbury, an ungodly apostate of the very worst ilk, and as a Britisher, I feel free to say that. The Archbishop of Canterbury now feels that Dr. Graham has so jettisoned fundamental Bible Christianity that he can use him in a worldwide campaign, linking up thy satellite to almost every major city in the world. Wonderful. And people will go running after it. But this kind of so-called success far from building the church of Christ, will be used by these apostates to build the church of Antichrist. That's what's happening. You see, the church can never go beyond Scripture in her evangelism. Getting back to Joel 2, Peter says this is that which Joel spoke about. And he gives us a citation from these verses 28 to 32. Very interesting here. Do you know what it proves? Well, it proves two things. One, that the New Testament church is vitally connected 
with what went before in the Old Testament. You can't understand the New Testament church apart from the Old Testament. There are many extreme uh, notions of dispensationalism that want me to think that the New Testament church was something that is so absolutely divorced from the Old Testament. And it's not. There's a vital continuity. Not only so, but Joel too speaks of things that were not fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was the inauguration of an entire era. But on Pentecost, there was neither blood, nor fire and vapor of smoke in a real sense. The sun was not turned into darkness, the moon was not turned into blood, and the great and notable day of the Lord and the restoration of all things, etc., did not take place on the day of Pentecost. They are yet to come. So what this is saying is that the New Testament church is not only connected with what was in the Old Testament church among Israel, but it is vitally connected with what God is yet going to do, even in Israel. See, there's really only one church. Only one church. I was greatly encouraged when I read uh, some writings of Dr. John R. Rice. Many things in exegesis and interpretation that we wouldn't agree on, but I'm delighted to note that he took a lot of his time to debunk the idea uh, of the New Testament church being just something absolutely new, and there is no connection with what goes before, uh, etc. It is connected with the Old Testament church and with what God is going to do. You see, it comes down to this, every man seeth is seeth by Christ. From the first man onwards, every man saved from hell is saved by the blood of Christ. And by faith in Christ, applied by the Spirit of Christ. There's no other way. There was an inauguration on the day of Pentecost. Now, that means there was something unique to that day. Obviously, this initiation was something, if I could put the word, explosive. There was this mighty spiritual explosion on the day of Pentecost. But there is a perpetual aspect to it as well. It's not just history. People ask, is Pentecost for today? Uh, the question's wrongly put, really. Properly understood, Pentecost is today. It's not just for today. It has a vital significance. It's interesting in Acts chapter 2 that the new converts were expected to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not just be regenerated by the Spirit, but to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They were expected to receive it. When you go on in the book of Acts, you find that when the work spread to Samaria, again they were expected as a church there to receive the Holy Ghost and the apostles went to ensure that very thing. And when the workmen spread out to the Gentiles, they received the Holy Ghost. Not just the regeneration of the Spirit, but they received this mighty demonstration of the Spirit's power. In other words, wherever the Gospel went, the power of Pentecost was meant to go as well. I believe 
that that is still possible today. I don't only believe it's possible, but I believe that's the will of God. I believe that I have no ground whatsoever for ever coming to the conclusion that the gospel of Jesus Christ is meant to go to people individually without seeing those people come into the joyful experience of the power of the Spirit of God in their lives. I'll come back in future to deal with the doctrine of the fullness of the Holy Ghost. There is a fullness for Christians. Fundamentalists used to be foremost in preaching it. If I may again refer to Dr. Rice, wherever he preached, he preached on the fullness of the Holy Ghost for the individual Christian. His great gospel campaigns were always based first upon a preaching to Christians and making sure that God's people understood that they could be and should be filled with the Holy Ghost. And what's happened in fundamentalism? Were the fundamental fathers wrong in their belief that the gospel is never expected to go anywhere without a demonstration of Pentecostal power? Were they wrong? Or could it be that modern fundamentalists are the one that's wrong? I believe that the older generation entirely in this I believe with them entirely. I have no warrant ever from Scripture to believe that the gospel is meant to go into places to save people and to build churches without a demonstration of the power of God. Churches, in other words, are not just congregations of people that are gathered together by gimmicks and by uh, various techniques but they are living bodies of people that are brought together by the sovereign activity of God the Holy Spirit and their witness is made effectual by that same activity of the Holy Spirit. So, there is something perpetual. Now, what is perpetual? Well, we come finally, and I have to be very quick here, the message of Pentecost. What is it saying to us? Let me quickly direct your attention to the time. The day of Pentecost. What is it? If you want to understand Pentecost, you should go back to the Old Testament Scriptures. Let me direct your attention particularly to Leviticus 23. In verse 15 and 16, you'll find that the day of Pentecost came uh, 50 days. That's what gives it its name. In 50 days after the Passover, it was known as the Feast of Weeks. Now, notice the exact timing. Leviticus 23 sets out a series of very important events. First, in verse 5, the Passover. Then, in verse 10, the Feast of First Fruits. And if you read on there, you'll find that that Feast of first fruits, verse 11, is one day after the Passover Sabbath. Passover, the Feast of first fruits, and then the Feast of Pentecost. Now that's God's order. Notice it very carefully. In the Passover, you have a picture of the death of Christ. 
Paul says, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7. The death of Christ. Now watch it carefully. On the day after the Passover Sabbath, there is the taking of the sheep of the first fruits of the barley harvest. And that sheep is weaved before the Lord. What happened on the first day after the Sabbath, on that great Passover week when Jesus died, He rose. And in that feast of the first fruits, you have the resurrection and the presentation of Jesus Christ to God His Father. Now, after 50 days from the Passover, you have Pentecost. Christ has died. To use Paul's words of his resurrection, he is the first fruits. He has been presented before God. His merit and his blood are brought before the throne. And now there comes the outpouring of the Spirit of God. That's the order. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. Founded by Dr. Alan Cairns, Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 